Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You have offended this podcast and you have offended the entire movie making community. Watch this for me. I'll be right back. Now where were we? And welcome back to You Have Offended This Podcast. We watch martial arts movies. My name is Mike McCarran. With me, as always, is a man who would fight through 30 floors of gangsters if there was only a snack table at the top, Chad Lindsay. What's up, man? Yeah, if that had Reese peanut butter cups at the top, I would. Which and all. Fuck yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I love this, this movie. This the shit. It's so good. It's ridiculous. It's like you just, you, you snort a, a fucking fistful of cocaine and you just enter the movie. <laughs> That's all you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's goddamn ridiculous. It never stops. It very much reminds me of, uh, God, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like John Wick 3, the, the Parabellum one, where it's just fucking go. Yeah, I... I mean, this movie came out in 2011, and I think it kind of influenced a lot of movies that came out after yeah. it. So it's just, it's like you said, it's just like a bunch of lines of cocaine. <laughs> it's just like, let's put some put some rails down, boys, and let's do this. It's crazy. It's insane. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. Most people who watch this really dug it. The normal people did not dig it. Um Again, I was looking through some some award shows and some reviews and stuff like that. Like, this won a ton of things. It, it had eight award wins. It had 13 nominations. It won the Audience Award at South by Southwest in 2012. It premiered at the Toronto Film Festival in 2011. It won the People's Choice Award there. Like, it had a ton of accolades coming for it. Guess who didn't like it? Uh, Roger, Roger Ebert. Roger goddamn I Ebert <laughs> did not like it. Yeah. <laughs> That piece of shit haunts us Fucking again. Fucking guy comes home. I didn't even want to talk about him, but then I read his review and I was like, dude, for real? Listen to this. Quote, there's obviously an audience for the film, probably a large one. They are content, even eager, to sit in a theater and watch one action figure after another pound and blast one another to death. They require no dialogue, no plot, no characters, no humanity. Have you noticed how cats and dogs will look at a TV screen on which there are things jumping around? It is to that level of the brain's reptilian complex that the film appeals. Unquote asshole. What a, <laughs> the fuck kind of uh, thing is that? That's somebody who just wants to sit around and watch the fucking red violin all day, every day. Like, yeah. Sometimes you're just in the mood to watch again. people get fucked up. Yeah. I'm going to watch the red violin and then I'm going to go read some percy shelley and then i'm gonna get a manicure it's like hey man come on don't you just want to watch some motherfucker get his back snapped in half every now and then while you're exactly. taking a break from your fucking proust master of arts like fuck off yeah have a hamburger and a beer every once in a while you fucking pretentious bitch right jesus calm down yeah this movie's fucking awesome i got the, i saw this in whenever it first came on to netflix i didn't know anything about it I just saw the poster as I scrolled through and it was just like, you know, on the poster, there's like the silhouette of a cop and a big goddamn building. And it's just like the raid. And I'm like, oh, okay. I think I, I, 
I think I have everything I need. It looks like a big building and it looks like some cops are going to raid it. Uh, let's check it out. And then, boy, was I surprised. <laughs> like, We're good, right? But I fired, <laughs> I fired that thing up and about two minutes in, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going pretty good. And then all of a sudden I see a goddamn hammer and some, <laughs> and some fucking plastic tarp. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I have walked down a dark alley here. <laughs> and there's really no turning back. <laughs> like, they they welcome oh, no. you into this movie really harshly, <laughs> very quickly. They do. You think, oh, this guy kind of looks like my granddad. He's in his pajamas. He's eating ramen noodles. He's wearing a little white tank top. <laughs> and then the next thing you know. Shut clacking it. <laughs> right in the side of the head with a yeah. fucking claw hammer. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So break it down for us. So before we get into that, make sure you remember, if you're listening to this, please rate and review us uh, on iTunes. If you can subscribe on whatever platform you're on, we're on all the platforms that you want to hit, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever. You can check us out on our social media stuff. We're on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. So check us out there at either you have offended this podcast or YHOTP. Leave us comments, leave us movies you want to do, any favorite scenes you have or anything like that. We'll check it out and we'll try to get to the movies that you like. So right off the bat, we have The Raid, as it was retitled The Raid Redemption, because they couldn't get uh, the rights to The Raid, apparently. It was already taken, so they added Redemption. So it's The Raid Redemption, had a budget of $1.1 million, box office was $9.3 million, so a it was an unequivocal success. Welsh director Gareth Evans broke this down and made it the shit. Uh, incredible, the, the Piranha stunt team guys work here is ridiculously good. So I broke this down into five different parts. Uh, The first being fairly quick. We have the opening. We have the introduction of Rama, the main character. They have the trip to the building and then the entry and making their way up to the sixth floor where they get discovered. So the whole opening part here where Rama is sort of praying and working out and getting his shit on is kind of cool where he says goodbye to his wife and stuff. You see she's pregnant, so he's obviously Got a lot to live for, which will come up big later <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. And uh, we we yeah. get this little cryptic thing when, when he sees his dad there, when he just says, I'll bring him back. And at that point, you don't know what the fuck he's talking about, but we get to that a little bit later. And uh, then he goes out and we get the van ride with all the cops going out in the back of this van and they're getting their, their little pep talk from, uh, from Jaka. He's the team leader and sort of telling them what's going to happen and what's gonna we're gonna go down when they get to the building and as they're riding to the building and they're getting their little jaca pep talk we get the aforementioned cut to inside the building where we have the three main bad guys tama mad dog and andy and we see five guys on their knees on a plastic mat yeah if you ever find yourself tied up when your mouth taped and you're on a plastic mat inside someone's office it is not going to go well for you no it was Crazy. No, that's that's pretty much the universal sign for this is your spot. You're you're not going anywhere else after this. This is the rest of your day. Because holy fuck, he shoots those four dudes, and it's pretty goddamn graphic. And then he goes to shoot the last guy, and click, and you can see sort of this palpable relief on this guy's face. And then he puts the gun on that dude's shoulder and goes. <gasps> Watch this for me. I'll be right back. Now, where were we? 
and then goes back to the desk and you're like, fuck. And then when he pulls it out and the goddamn hammer's there and you see the bullets and you're like, he could just put the bullet in the gun and finish him that way. But nope, he picks up the hammer and back he goes. Now, where were we? Ha-ka-pa-ka. And he smashes the dude in the head. They make a really good cut there. Yeah, the whip pan. They do a whip yeah. pan right there, and it's and it looks good. And I love Jacka's little pep talk in the thing. And because I've seen this movie so many times, like when he's like, "I don't want to see any empty seats on this truck when we're done." <laughs> and I'm like, and I laugh because I'm like, you could take you could take the survivors home like on a fucking bike, <laughs> like at the end of this movie. Right? I wrote that line no down too. I don't want to see any empty seats on this truck when we're done. It was like, okay, okay. okay. You can, the, the survivors on this could go home on a fucking skateboard, okay? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus, on a Schwinn. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah, with Rama pedaling and <laughs> and his brother on the handlebars, and that's basically Fuck it. all of that. Yeah, they lose everybody. So they go in. They go to the the building, and you get that cool pan up, like you said, sort of the the cover shot where Jocka's looking up, and you see the pan up of the building, and kind of a cool little breach of the building where they get in, they pick the lock, they get inside, they get to the sort of long breezeway kind of thing where that one dude's sitting there watching television, and uh, you hear Jocka be like, "Take him out." And they get a very, it reminded me a lot of Leon. Remember in Leon where yeah, he, really. he he puts the knife under the fat gangster's throat when he's on the phone. And it, mm. his hand just kind of comes out of the blackness just under his neck. And that's exactly kind of what happens here with the garot, with the, the garot around the dude's neck. Yeah. The first start of the, 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 the start of their infiltration of this building, it's going swimmingly well. Yes. They're working as a team. They're covering each other and they, they get inside. And of course, then we meet the guy who's trying to get in and bring medicine to his wife upstairs. Yeah. Room 726 guy. He meets them at the main kind of gate there. And, uh, Dagu's kind of a dick to him. Like <laughs> he's shoving him up against the wall, telling him to go fuck himself and like I'll kill you or whatever. <laughs> and uh and then Rama comes up and basically tells Dagu to chill and kind of helps the guy and they use him to break through the main gate and kind of get in and run up the main floors there all the way up to floor six. Yeah, and it and it shows a little bit of Rama's character too, right? Yes. Like it shows that Rama's, you know, kind of a good guy and you know, he's empathetic and whatnot. So it yeah, it's a it's a short scene but it's a good scene kind of you know building building up his character very much and they get into that i believe it's room 104 where they take out uh that one guy and zip cuff him they he goes to jump out the window and they throw him backwards onto the table there and he flips over so they zip cuff that dude um there's a couple little confrontations where they grab some people and duct tape that dude's mouth and like you said smooth pretty good everything's going according to plan they get all the way up to floor six and they see they're all kind of stacked in the hallway and they hear something and they see the little kid at the end of the hall walk and they've all got their guns up and the kid sees them and freezes and you get Jaka just saying like, okay. Don't move. Don't do anything stupid. Don't move an inch. Good. Now. Wait!
you just see the bullet come through the door and zip right through the kid's neck and drop him, which really sets the tone for the movie. It really does. But everything leading up to it, it's so cool. Like, especially the way they did the cutting of, you know, as they're running past the numbers on the stairs, you know, when the numbers are changing floor to floor, they're showing them work really efficiently. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you get a major tonal shift as soon as they shoot a child in the neck (laughs) that that tends to, that tends to bring the, uh, Bring the energy level down. Kind of lets the air out of the room, if you know what I mean. <laughs> kind of does. It really lets you. Well, it's it's one of those. It reminded me of that David Cronenberg flick, A History of Violence, where yeah. you get the two crazy guys who are coming into town and they stop at that little motel and the psycho, psycho yeah. guy shoots that little girl. It, it just gives yeah. you this sense that like nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Because if you're willing to kill a kid right off the jump, none of those adults are safe. Like, so that it really lends this palpable tension to everything that happens. Cause you don't know who's going to die. Any of those guys could have died. Mm. So really set the tone. So the kid, and it also actually, it also sets you on Yu's course because you get the sense that that guy's kind of unhinged. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's, he, as we learn later, he's there for a very specific purpose yes. and He's he's kind of like the Mace Ryan of this whole thing. Like he's <laughs> yeah. he's kind of setting it up. Like you know he doesn't have authorization. He's bringing the team there. It's supposed to be secret, you know. And he's in cahoots with some other people apparently. And you know it just really really kind of puts the puts the dynamic of good versus evil kind of in perspective. I I loved yeah. it. And then as soon as as soon as this scene happens and the other kid that witnesses him get shot runs up the stairs and hits the intercom, that really cool 1970s style intercom, <laughs> yeah. then then it's like it's like you're 15 minutes into the film and it's 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 just off the rails. It's like someone's just you hear the pull of a chainsaw starting. Yeah. It's just like whoa. You're like, all right, I know where we're going here. Yeah, the like it just gets it gets hot. The fast. shit flies at the fan and hits it very fucking hard. The, like you said, the intercom gets hit and Thomas sees them on the CCTV and is like, oh okay, we have company. This is part two now. Tama knows that they're there. He calls the neighbors. The cops take very heavy losses. They try to regroup but they seem absolutely hopelessly outnumbered here. And the cops end up getting cornered in an apartment where they have to use the furniture and shit to, to get out. So Tama calls the quote unquote, the neighbors who end up being a couple of snipers and some other guys in the building next door. And the two snipers just take out the two guys that are outside or who, however many guys are outside the building, they just shoot those guys. And that one guy in apartment 104 walks over by the window and gets shot right through the goggles. Yeah. Which was kind of awesome. Well, actually, let's let's talk. Like, I loved how the snipers show up. They fire off the rounds. The other guy goes to shoot again. Oh, yeah. He's like, no, let him scream. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, he's on the ground screaming. And then dude in the apartment walks to the window. To see right? who's and screaming. These, these, you know, these. Yeah. These are rookies, right? Because they clearly say they're rookies. Yeah. He walks over to the window to see what the fuck's going on. He gets one right through the goddamn eyepiece. Yep. He's down. And then that's when the guy that they've got duct tape from earlier. Yep. He slips out of his uh, zip, slips his zip ties around his legs, pulls a fucking machete out from under the table. Hey, and thank you for listening to this teaser episode of the podcast. Full episodes can be found at patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast. We do at least four episodes a month. 
everyone gets one free. The other three are like this one, a teaser with the full show available with a subscription. Now there's five levels of subscription to choose from to suit any budget with the lowest being just five bucks per month. That's less than a rabbit harness leech thing on Amazon. I mean, what are you going to do with that? It's nice. I mean, don't get me don't get me wrong, but think about it. You can walk your rabbit safely or you can get over 6 hours of original entertainment to make your workout or commute or life better. Plus, access to all the past seasons, each season being 21 episodes. Patrons also get to be a part of the Dojo crew. You become a producer of the show. And the best part is you don't have to do any of the hours of work it takes to create an awesome show every week. You just reap the benefits. It's awesome. So head on over to patreon.com slash you have offended this podcast and become a patron. You'll have our eternal gratitude and the satisfaction of literally being a producer of the media you find most appealing. Thank you so much. We'll see you inside the dojo.